Uh, we're going to be, in a moment here, continuing um, our series that we've been exploring the topic of prayer. Um, but before we do, I actually, what I wanted to do is just give you um, a little bit of heads up of something that we have launched uh, recently, we want you to know about, and that you are going to get to know a whole lot more about um, in the weeks, months, and, and year ahead. Um, it, uh, we've launched a beta group, and uh, this beta group is called the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course. Uh, the beta group is currently running with our church council um, and our small group leaders. Uh, we will be meeting um, over uh, this course for the next seven weeks. We started last week, so it's an eight-week-long course. And, and the heart behind it is that we continue to want to be a church where all of our doing is, flows out of our being with Jesus. That we want to be a healthy people, and that we want to see deep interior transformation happen in our lives. What I love about this course, um, you'll notice, if you can go back just one real quick, um, is that the logo that you're so often used with this course is, is an iceberg. And, and the idea behind that is that there's all the stuff that is above the surface in our lives. The things that people see, right? Our actions, sometimes even our attitudes and things that people can see. The, the, our interactions with one another, our driving our kids to school or sitting in traffic, right? A lot of that, that's the, people see that. And then there's a whole lot more of our life that is the unseen. It's the place of the deep interior part of our lives. And, and what we would hope for is that the Lord would do such a deep transformation below the surface in our lives. Um, and then there are two, there are two courses. Um, so there's uh, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, and there's the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course. Uh, so we're currently doing the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course with the, the beta group leaders. You could just stay on that uh, next slide. Um, and in the spring, at the start of 2022, we're going to open up the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course for everybody um, in the church. The idea here is that, you know, we continue to have this vision. It's painted incredibly large in the lobby on our wall uh, when you first walk into the room that we desire to be a community that follows, loves, and serves. And we really believe that these two courses will help us to lay a foundation of what it looks like to be a people that follow Jesus well, to follow him in, in in his character, in his nature, that who he is, we would continue to see transformation, very real transformation, that we would be people that are like Jesus, so that it wouldn't just be Ken and Judy that are the only ones in this room that are like Jesus, <laughs> but it would be all of us. And so we're going through this course to, to hoping that, that that transformation take place, and that we'd be people that love each other well. that we'd be a people that would see that amidst a world that has broken relationships, that lives with a whole bunch of tension, that doesn't know how to talk to one another, that we would see that we'd be a people that have incredibly uh, strong health in our relationships. And then as we go through that, just, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the impact of a church that is just seeing health across all the scope of our living? the impact that we can make in the world around us, that we'd be a people that embody that peace and that stability and that calm presence of Jesus in the world around us. So here's what the next year 
uh, will look like for us. So fall 2021, we're in this Emotionally Healthy Spiritual uh, beta course. Um, in winter, spring of 2022, probably around uh, mid to late January, we're gonna be launching um, the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course that will be available to everyone uh, to be able to attend. We'll hear a whole lot more about that. Spring 2022, around Easter time, heading into summer, we'll have some opportunities for connections, some groups that, that we'll uh, be putting together. Summer 2022 will be uh, just opportunities for, for connection amongst us. And then in the fall of next year, we'll then have the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course that will be opened up for everyone uh, to be able to, to participate in. Um, but, I, but I will be honest with you that a lot of the language and the things that we're going to be learning in these courses, they're just going to often be infused in who we are and what we do in the life of our community. So it won't just be in these courses that you'll hear this different material and, and how it is we might live this out, but it is something that we'll constantly be uh, visiting um, as a community. Then let me also say that this doesn't, what this calendar doesn't speak to is all of the different missional uh, opportunities that will be talked about as a community. Um, Advent will be a great place where we'll lean into that. What does it look like to be faithfully present in our world? Um, but this is just speaking specifically to what does it look like for our groups, our discipleship, our formation here. And then the other piece of the, the, the puzzle will be what does all of our missional look, living look like as a community? What does it look like for us to embody who Jesus is to our neighbors and to our communities and to the city? into the world. Uh, so that's where, where we're headed, that's where we're currently at, and that's where we're headed as a community, and just wanted to make sure that you were in the loop on that. Let us move to the topic of prayer. So the topic of prayer, we're going to continue in our sermon series on prayer. Richard uh, Foster says this, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. In our sermon series on prayer, we're going to be talking about intercessory prayer today. And intercessory prayer is, very simply put, praying for other people. What does it look like to be a people that, that pray for others um, probably over a, a year ago, I had heard um, Tim Mackey, who, um, with, I don't know his last name, Jonathan, um, run a podcast called The Bible Project, absolutely worth giving a listen to. And um, he was exploring the conversation that God and Abraham have right before Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. And as he explored this, this conversation that was taking place, it opened up a door for me to be able to see how much our God longs for his mercy to be demonstrated to the world around us and found in a place in scripture that I thought you wouldn't have seen that demonstrated. Let me read it to you and then we'll, we'll talk about it for a moment um, and then we'll go forward from there. Genesis chapter 18, starting at verse 16. Let's turn at verse 17. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked. For Abraham certainly will be a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, 
I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and heeded toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't want to do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun... Let me speak further to my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the the lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people living there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Please don't be angry with me, Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I won't destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. The Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. When the Lord finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. What I found so intriguing about here as Tim Mackey opened this this passage of, of Scripture open was that the Lord is really bad at bartering. You think about the context of, of, of a yard sale. Right, you have all of your stuff that's on sale there, and it's already a really cheap price. And people come up, and you have something that's for $50, and they come, and they say, hey, would you sell that to me for 10 <laughs> And you go, no, I wouldn't do 10 I'd, I'd, I'd maybe go 45 And they go, well, you know, how about, how about 20 Would you do 20 And they're like, no, I wouldn't, maybe I'll do, I'll do like 35 And then you just, this bartering that takes place, trying to find a medium in which both of you can agree on. But, but the, Abraham comes to the Lord, and he, and he starts and says, Lord, would you do 50? And, Abra, and, and the Lord responds to Abraham and says, yeah, I wouldn't destroy it for 50. <laughs> and, and you can almost just see the internal processing of Abraham like, dang it. <laughs> I shouldn't have started there. 45? Would you do 45? <laughs> yeah, I'll do 45. Oh. oh, wait a minute. And in that moment, it's like Abraham's discovering something about the heart of God. Though you are just and righteous, there's something about you here right now that I'm discovering that you long to show mercy. So let me press in further. Would you do 40? I imagine the Lord responded quickly. Yeah, 40. Yeah, I'll do 40. I'll do 40. I'm, I'm the worst at OfferUp, on selling things on OfferUp, if anyone uses that app. Because I'll try to sell something that we just, we haven't used in years or months, and, and someone will offer, like, hey, I've got this old, you know, crib that's been sitting in, in our garage, and, 
And so I put it on there for like $30 and someone talks me down to like $15 and then they show up and I, and I come outside to them and then as, as they're, they're there and we're interacting with one another, I see their little baby in the back seat and I just go, you can have it. <laughs> it's yours. It's yours. And I come back inside and I tell Larissa they had this cute little baby who's in the back seat and I just gave it away and she responds, that's great. With genuine excitement that we were able to bless someone. But Abraham presses further. Would you do 20? Yeah, I'll do 20. Will you do 10? Yeah, I'll do 10. And then Abraham stops the conversation. What the Ark of Scripture tells us, God longs to show mercy. And because there's not one righteous amongst us, he himself will be that one that dwells amongst us so that he can show his mercy. And I, I want us to hear that because so often I think that our imagination of what intercessory prayer is is that we are trying to convince this curmudgeon in heaven to care about the people that we care about. But the reality is, is that when intercessory prayer is, is that we sit in this incredible place with Jesus, asking the Father to demonstrate his mercy that he longs to show anyway. He longs to show his mercy to humanity. The thing is, though, he doesn't want to do it by himself. That what the pages of scripture tells us is that he's looking for partnership. He's looking for people who will work with him in distributing the good things that he longs to demonstrate to humanity. You think about it this way, that for some of us, or for probably all of us in this room, that if we were to have this, this abundance that was donated to us, that the first thing that we would like to do is call a friend and say, hey, would you come with me to give this away? Maybe the, the simple example that I can give is that at every barbershop that I've gone to and I've sat in the seats watching the interaction between the barbers and, and the clients taking place is that when a parent is there with their child, at the end of the haircut, what the parent often does, reaches into their wallet and doesn't tip the barber directly, what do they do? They hand the dollar to the child, the $2 of the child, the $5 of the child, so that the child then participates in that act of generosity. And the child goes up to the barber and says, here's the tip. As if they provided that by themselves. But that is what intercessory prayer is. It's this place of recognizing that what God longs to do us, to, uh, through us, is to give us this place, of, to give us mercy and to give us generosity. And for thus, then, that to extend that to the people around us. That we would participate with him in the good work that he's doing. God wants to partner because he wants us to experience the joy and the honor to, of what he is ushering in to the world. Of what he is bringing in to the world around us. Look at Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And if we, it's like if we didn't hear it, let me repeat it. Genesis chapter 2, the Lord placed the man in the garden to tend it and to watch over it. In Genesis 3, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about 
in the garden. And everything that we get portrayed for us at the very opening of Scripture is that God is longing to interact with humanity and to partner with humanity to do the good things that he could just do completely on his own. But he's not going to do it on his own. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. God could, if he chose, repair our bodies miraculously without food. Or give us food without, without the aid of farmers, bakers, and butchers. Or our knowledge without the aid of learned people. Or convert the heathen without missionaries. Instead, he allows soils and weather and animals and the muscles and minds and wills of men to cooperate in the execution of his will. It is not really strange, or more or less strange, that my prayers should affect the course of events than that which my other actions do. They have not advised or changed God's mind, that is, his overall purpose, but that purpose will be realized in different ways according to the actions, including the prayers of his creatures. For he seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and bludgeringly what he could perfectly do in the twinkling of an eye. God is longing to partner with humanity, that we would work with him in the good that he's ushering in the world. But the tragedy of Scripture is what? Our wanter is off. That most often the way that we operate is that we, our, our selfishness overfunctions. <laughs> and it's malfunctioned to overconsider ourselves. And we begin to shut off and cut off the good things, the acts of generosity and mercy that God longs to bring into the world. So what's God doing? He's longing to reestablish a people who will know his heart. That will be like him embody his character, his nature, his personality in the world around us. There's so many incredible places in Scripture where we are told things like this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Jeremiah 31. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36. And I will give you a new heart, and I will get a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And what journeying through Scripture will, will, will reveal to us is that what God is longing to do is to reestablish a heart that is like His 
so that he then can partner with us in distributing what he longs to distribute in the world. So intercessory prayer, as Jan Johnson says it, is this. Intercessory prayer is participating in the love of Christ. Intercessory prayer is participating in the love of Christ, and it's absolutely wild to think about. Through the saving work of Jesus, God's Spirit is teaching us who he is, what he cares about, and then empowering us to live like him. Come participate with me in that. And what gets even more wild is that he cares about what we say. He cares about what we're bringing before him, because then what he's doing, here's, here's the plan, is let me, let me put within you a new heart. Let me put within you a heart that understands my goodness, my grace, my mercy, and then let's start talking together about that. Let's start being in real dialogue together. And what intercessory prayer becomes is a place of which both of us, us, us and God, are talking together about the good things that we long to see established in the world. We work together with him over that. We talk with one another about it. And I can't explain how, <laughs> but what we say actually makes a difference. What we bring before him in these new and redeemed hearts, what we bring before him, he actually starts factoring in to how he's ruling and reigning over this world. It's wild. And maybe the analogy that I can give you is this. Is that sometimes at the end of the day, I, I will lay down in uh, the bed with my boys, and we'll have story time. And I will start by just simply saying, once upon a time there was. And they, they jump in and give me the most wild and absurd characters in the story. And then I take those characters in the story and I start weaving the story together in a way that I want it to go, but what they bring up really gets factored into how we tell the story together. And so the last story that we told factored in a panda who farted on peaches and ate them. But it was like, I can work with that. <laughs> but let's keep on telling the story together. I cared about the participation. I cared about the involvement. I cared about them getting involved in the story that's being told. And so that's why it's so important that we, we discover that a God who is extremely patient, a God who does stop and listens to us, and as he's ruling and reigning over this world, what we say does get factored in. It does get factored in because he is so dang relational. He cares. He cares what you're speaking to him, what you're bringing forward. Intercessory prayer takes time because we're dialoguing with God about the good that both of us 
he and us are longing to see happen in the world. But that also means that it's a place of listening and trusting. Intercessory prayer then is also a place where we're hearing who he is and what he's longing to do in the world. Can I give you three quick reflections on why I think intercessory prayer takes so much time and often moves at a pace that is slower than we would like it to move? The first reason is this, is because our hearts are being influenced by Jesus while we pray for others. Hopefully over the course of our lives, we're diving deeper into an understanding of who Jesus is and because of that, it means that our prayers then are adapting to who he is. We're being changed by who he is. And so what ends up happening is the ongoing work of intercessory prayer is that, that we realize that he's lingering near us and he's longing for us to approach him and cry out for his will to be done on earth. And so then what ends up happening is that all of a sudden, the, our, our eyes become so much more expansive to, and, 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 and embracing of, of the world around us. The, the, the more and more we get to know Jesus, all of a sudden, like the horizon of our prayers begins to be expanded. It begins to include so many more people, people that we normally would not have prayed for. And that's why one of the defining markers of a follower of Jesus and a command that he gives to us is that we would pray for those that persecute us. Because that's the ongoing work that he's doing deep within us. And the other thing that happens in this process is that all of a sudden there becomes to be this beautiful symmetry, there becomes to be this beautiful correlation and, and continuity between what we're praying and how we're living. that we'd be a people that are walking out, living out the prayers that we're bringing before him. Henry Nouwen said, prayer and action can never be seen as contradictory or mutually exclusive. Prayer without action grows into powerless pietism, and action without prayer degenerates into questionable manipulation. If prayer leads us into deeper unity with the compassionate Christ, it will always give rise to the concrete acts of service. And if concrete acts of service do indeed lead us to a deeper solidarity with the poor, the hungry, the sick, the dying, and the oppressed, they will always give rise to prayer. In prayer we meet Christ, and in him all human suffering. In service we meet people and in them the suffering of Christ. Corey Ten Boom said it this way, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. This is why it is a constant temptation of mine to not put $5 in my wallet. Because as I follow, drive through the world, as, I, as I'm at a red light, and as I'm praying for the people at need, in need in the world around me, I will often be reminded, you have $5 cash in your wallet. And that's the point of temptation. It's like when I go to the ATM or I have change, it's like this place of saying, oh, God, if I keep this with me, I know what you're going to call of me. 
I know what you're gonna ask me to do with this. So I'm not gonna take like I'm just gonna I'm, I don't want the change. But that's the that's that part of pro, the the process that's happening as we are praying, God, your will be done on here here on earth as it is in heaven. That He's causing us to people be people that live that out. The second one is this. There are prayers as we pray, we start hearing and listening to what the very real needs are that exist of of the people that we're praying for. Let Let me say that again. Um, as we're praying for people, what, we end up ha- what ends up happening is we start becoming more aware of what their very real needs are, and our prayers start changing. That what ends up happening is that as we're praying for people, we discover that how we were praying for them needs to be changed, because what we were originally praying for wasn't really what their real need was. I, I'm so grateful through conversation with Pastor Mark um, and how he and Carol have, have been so attentive and aware of their, their daughter's different unique personalities and giftings that that's adapted how they have prayed for their kids. And so what that's taught me is that as I pray for our boys, it's simultaneously extremely important that I'm discovering who they are and how the Lord's already at work in their lives, and then that influences how I pray for them. Because the temptation in our prayers is control. The temptation in our prayers is for people to act and live how we want them to live, and not to come alongside how God is already moving in their lives. The other thing that we discover in this process is the things that we thought would be absolutely devastating in those people's lives, the Lord can actually use for, the, for what he's up to in their lives. And so then it'll become as overwhelming for us, and we can be filled with a little bit more hope that what they walk through tragedy, that, that what, all of a sudden what we find ourselves praying for is not that don't let them walk through tragedy. What we're praying for is, Lord, help them to be a people that know and recognize who you are, and you can use this thing that they're currently involved in for your good. That our prayers are looking to go much deeper than just surface-level actions. Let me go back to Jan Johnson, who I quoted earlier. She said it this way. For example, Jesus prayed for Peter's soul's well-being before Peter denied Jesus. Oddly, Jesus didn't pray that Peter wouldn't deny him, which, of course, would have been more, a more tidy and convenient prayer for all concerned. Instead, Jesus prayed that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. As a good teacher, Jesus gave Peter latitude to make mistakes and prayed that Peter would develop an abiding, enduring faith in spite of, in the middle of, and even because of his mistakes. When we err as Peter did, our faith is likely to fail, usually because our faith is in our own faith instead of our faith being in God. But if we can freely admit our mistakes and choose to trust the adequacy of God, our faith will grow and we can strengthen others. 
all of a sudden, as, as we begin to pray for people, we, we desire for, for prayers that, that cause much deeper transformation in their lives, not just control their actions, but that God would genuinely transform who they are. Because what I've discovered is I can do all the right things and lose my soul in the process. And so what I'm praying for people is, yes, I would want them to, to not have to walk through so much pain in life and make bad decisions, but I've also got to be in this place of peace and trust that as these mistakes happen in people's lives, that God will still be good and lead them to a place of knowing him. The other reason that prayer takes such a long time is because people's free will is at play. What we want Jesus to do is open up their mind and say, this is how you're going to act. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's essentially what we want to make this decision, move this way, and then everything's going to be all good. But what God doesn't do is just control us. He is not looking for a people to control. He is looking for a people who will willingly surrender their lives to him. And so his process is so much slower because what he does is that he woos people to himself. God operates in the deep interior of a person's life, and that takes time. And so we persist in prayer. We persist in prayer. We constantly intercede on behalf of others, believing that Jesus is pursuing them, while simultaneously honoring our free will. Because rather than control us, He prefers that we would choose him. Church, may we be a people who pray sincerely on behalf of others and genuinely believe that it does make a difference. Genuinely believe that it is making an incredible impact in this world. Let's lean in to intercessory prayer because we realize our God invites us to partner with him in the good things that he's inaugurating in the world. Richard Foster tells this incredible story. He says that he was invited over to the house of a, of a family within his community. And he was invited over to this family's home because they had a baby daughter, and she was incredibly sick. He says as he sat in that room, he called the four-year-old brother over, and he said this. He said, let's play a game together. Let us right now, in this space, imagine that Jesus is here in this room with us. Can you see him? I want you to see the smile on Jesus' face. The joy, the delight that exists there in Jesus' heart. And as we pray for your baby sister right now, what we're going to imagine 
is that as we put our hands on her and begin to pray for her, that Jesus would get up, Jesus would get up from that chair, he would walk over, and he would place his hands on our hands. And that we would right now in this space believe that the light of who he is would begin to invade your sister's body and overtake all that is sick within her. And as he said that as they did this, the little boy was just filled with such an incredible faith and delight, thinking about the love of Jesus, the joy that was on his face. They went to sleep and he said that the next morning, the little girl was completely healed. And I think that's this beautiful picture of intercessory prayer. That what is in our minds is not a curmudgeon in heaven that we have to convince to care. But a God who sits with us is filled with joy and delight and longs to partner with us in caring for the world around us. Now I know for a lot of us in this space, there's that what if, what about, that comes to our minds. We'll take some time in this sermon series to, to visit unanswered prayer. The times when God feels distant, the times when we just feel disconnected from the Lord, we'll take time to visit that. My encouragement for us this week is to lean in hopefully a work of healing that happens in our hearts is that God longs to show mercy. God longs to do a deep work of transformation within us. And that he's looking for a people to partner with. He's looking for a people that will cry out with him for the sake of the world. I think the, 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 the next step that we do this morning is simply this. Let's actually pray. Let's pray for the people around us, the people that are on your minds, the people that are making those terrible choices, the people that you don't get along with, the person that you don't want to pray for right now, whatever, whoever that might be, that we would take a moment. You can, you can pray with someone that's sitting around you. You can, you can just pray in the, in the silence of, of your own heart right now. But let's bring some names before the Lord. And one of the great ways to start is maybe his voice might be speaking to us about a people group, a person, someone we're in relationship with that he might be calling us to be praying for at this moment. Let's take a moment to do that.
Father, we bring these loved ones before you right now. Jesus, we pray that they would know your dear, sweet, joyful presence with them. There are people that are on the minds of of this community that are wandering from you, distant from you. Jesus, may we see you do that good work of continuing to pursue them, wooing them to yourself. Lord, we pray that these people would make a decision to follow you because they have come to realize that you are good and that you are for them. Jesus, we pray for those that we are intention with. Jesus, if there's any place of hostility in our relationships, Father, would we see you do a good work of reconciliation? That you would help us, that you would strengthen us to be people that know your mercy and grace and forgiveness that you've extended to us. And that that might help us to be more available or attentive to the people in our lives. Jesus, there are people in our minds and we just think about a, a, a pandemic that has just ravaged our world. There are people in our lives that are in need of a touch of healing. Jesus, would you come and do that work right now? Jesus, May we get that glimpse of that good work that you're going to do perfectly and fully one day of marrying heaven and earth, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more tears, there will be no more death or disease. Jesus, our prayer right now is that we would get a glimpse of that here today. Make bodies whole. they might function and work and move how you have so beautifully designed and crafted them to work. Lord, I pray for marriages right now. Where there is fracture, where trust might have been been hurt, bring these 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 marriages before you and and pray for for the for the for the persons or the individuals in the marriage that you would continue to do a good work in their lives and then when lord we pray for the sake of marriages that they would be made to be whole and healthy and strong and to be ones that that are just examples of the love between Christ and his church. And Lord, we pray for our kids right now. Our biggest prayer is that these little ones would would know you. They, They would know that they can run to you amidst life's greatest mistakes. 
They would know your plans and your purposes for their lives. They would hear how you have so uniquely and wonderfully designed them and made them. That they would hear that you delight in them and that you love them and that you are for them. And we pray that you would grow them, that you would mature them in every space of their lives, that they would see a healthy maturation in their lives, that in their emotions, that in their bodies, that in their relationships, in their places of learning, Lord, that there would be growth and development. But Lord, we also pray that we would be examples to them by your grace and mercy. That they would, what they would see in us, their parents, and the adults of this community is a people that are humble and understand that we need you in every area of our lives. Lord, our prayer isn't that we would be perfect people, but that we would be a people who are in process of being made more and more like Jesus. we pray for our city. May women and men and kids in San Diego come to know you. Would you answer and provide in the places of abuse, oppression, homelessness, poverty, hunger, Where there's, Lord, would you, would, you, would you provide there? Would you do a good work there? Come alongside our, our global partners, our local partners, and just think of Big Table and Hope for San Diego and InterVarsity and just all the good work that's happening here in San Diego. Lord, continue that good work. Continue to raise up women and men and kids who embody your goodness in this world so that we might see that it is in San Diego as it is in heaven. Provide for the, for the refugees that are starting to come into San Diego, Lord. Bring, bring, raise people up who, who will provide and step in and act with, with great generosity and care. Lord, we pray for military families that are just so abundant in San Diego. Lord, we pray for the health of the families right now. We pray that you would continue to, to bring men and women into uh, the military, continue to raise them up so that they might be a light. And that you just do a good work of providing for these families who have, who have taken on a posture of wanting to serve the world around them. Lord, that you, that you would provide for, for this community that is so abundant here in our city. And our prayers that we would say, Lord, use us how you might desire to be a people that embody your goodness in this world. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me?